Hi, believers, and welcome back to Woe Believer Christian Podcast. I'm your girl, Naila Amara, and we are back, baby, rightly dividing the word of truth, aka the Bible, y'all, and bearing fruit daily. So today we are going to be talking about a pretty heavy subject. Most of our subjects are heavy, but this one is a little bit more personal for me because we are talking about social justice, rather social injustice inequality, discrimination, prejudice, racism, we're talking about all that. So trigger warning today, but we are going to be looking at that from the context of the Bible and the body of Christ and how Jesus instructs us to handle some of these situations and our place as believers in Jesus and in God as Christians and a Christian community, what we should be doing actively in our community now to spread the love of Jesus Christ among communities that are different from us and how to do that effectively without causing damage, without causing harm. So before we get into this, let us say a quick prayer dear heavenly father thank you so much for being the god that you are for being a loving father lord jesus for showing us grace and showing us mercy continue to cover us with your precious blood and lead us and guide us lord jesus i pray that hearts will be softened and minds will be open lord jesus to receive what you have to say lord jesus i decrease so you can increase give me the words at the very hour and let the Holy Spirit flow through me so that this believer is able to receive what you have to say properly. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. So I went to DC Plunge, which is a social justice um, conference, um, a Christian social justice conference, where we actively took some biblical perspectives and went out into the community and did some service work utilizing what we had learned biblically and i want to point to a a specific scripture and that is luke 10. so a expert in the law stands up to jesus and he goes teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life And Jesus responds and he says, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? What's your interpretation? And the expert in the law, he responds and he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you know, he as in Jesus, you have rightly answered, do this and you will live. And then the expert goes on to say actually the bible specifically in verse 29 luke 10 says but he wanting to justify himself said to jesus and who is my neighbor wow like isn't that a coincidence that our first inclination as humans or as people you know as part of a community is to disqualify a certain group of people like you know who is my neighbor is that like everybody is that just like people in my community is that just like my actual neighbor like what is that so I really want to know like you know taking a deeper thought what was the motive of the actual law experts of the actual law expert when asking this question you know who is my neighbor And so Jesus answers with this parable, and this is a really famous parable, the Good Samaritan, um, but we're going to get in deep of the context of why, what this expert had to say before leading up to this parable, why it's so important, especially during the time period that this was said. 
So Jesus starts to explain the parable and he says, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wound him and departed him, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the, pl at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, and he banished his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was the neighbor and who fell, who fell among the thieves? Um, so which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And Jesus says, oh, well, the law and the expert says, he who showed mercy on him, you know, obviously the Samaritan. It's funny how he didn't say the Samaritan. He said the one that showed mercy. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. So I really want us to take like a deeper look at this, right? So you have a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. And a Samaritan is from Samaria. And uh, this traveler was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and they're a little bit more um, close in proximity than uh, Jerusalem and Jericho is to Samaria if you just want to pull up a map of you know Judea like or proximity between Jerusalem Jericho versus Samaria there'll be plenty of maps and you can kind of see like Samaria is kind of like Florida and then Jerusalem's kind of like Maryland DC not I'm not really saying, but just kind of like hypothetically, like it's definitely Jerusalem and Jericho are like right next to each other, kind of like Maryland and Virginia. And then you have like Samaria, which is like New York or Florida, like we like somewhere else. So what I really want you guys to get a picture of is this Samaritan who's traveled further than probably this priest and Levite have coming from Jerusalem, seeing this Jew who's not of your ethnicity, not of your tribe. I'm a Samaritan or I'm from Samaria. You're from Jerusalem, Jericho. You're a Jew. We're not of the same culture. We're totally two different people, but I am still deciding to help you. And that's one of the points that Jesus is making here in this parable that despite cultural differences, despite maybe this person not even knowing who I am, despite any sort of, you know, normal blockage or obstacle, obstacle, you should still be a neighbor, even to those who are not like you, especially those that do not look like you. Matthew says, you know, what's the reward in liking people that you already like? Even taxpayers do that. So he's going out of his way. But let's take an even deeper look at the priest and the Levite, right? Because we normally focus on the Samaritan. The priest sees this Jew 
on the side of the road and he specifically in verse 31 when he saw him he passed by on the other side have you ever seen someone in need or someone who just looks different from you or is just not like you culturally you know sex orientation like whatever the case may be outward inward it doesn't matter like they are in some way different from you and you switch sides like you totally avoid them you totally go around you try to do your best to you know when you see them pass by your cars you roll up the windows like you just turn a blind eye then let's go to the Levite. So the Levite is one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Actually, um, Aaron, Moses' brother, well, Moses too, is actually a part of that um, Levite lineage, but Aaron specifically because he's the older brother. So it's saying even like one of the 12 tribes of Israel coming from Jerusalem passed by on the other side. He said in 32, likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and then passed on the other side so he came and investigated the situation and still didn't help you know that kind of reminds me of when people like watch the news or they see things on social media and they may like it or comment or share it and then they just like move on like they don't actually do anything so you have the priest who's supposed to be this awesome religious leader doing the work of God probably won't some of someone of stature if they're heading from Jerusalem to Jericho if they're on this road um who may have the means or the opportunity or the you know ways to successfully tend to this half-dead body man this weak half-dead it says wounding him stripped him of his clothing and left him half dead so this guy is obviously in need no clothes beaten up physically to the point where he looks like he's dying and we have a lot of church people who do that you know they see the wounded half dead people and they pass to the other side and we definitely don't want to be believers that do that and then we have also some believers like this Levite who look and recognize that there's a need and pass to the other side. But this Samaritan who doesn't have any stature in Judea or Jerusalem or Jericho, who is totally oppressed or a minority rather, who's not really favored by the Jews at this time, considered an outsider looks on him and not only he doesn't just give him like money remember he stripped of his clothes wound it left half dead he doesn't just throw change at him he takes the time to stop and if you pulled up that map and you see the proximity of Samaria to Jericho and Jerusalem you see he's traveled much 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 further this man is probably tired out of breath exhausted hungry thirsty He's probably half dead mentally, but he sees this man and he has compassion on him. He's moved and he takes the bandages and he wraps them. And then even before he wraps the wounds, he pours oil and wine and oil and wine in biblical terms 
um, was used for a healing process, like was used for more like medical pharmaceutical options rather than just, you know, like cooking and drinking. And oil and wine is actually was a luxury, like it's pretty expensive um, for someone to just be pouring it out on a random man on the street let alone someone who is probably looking down on you any other day or doesn't really want to associate themselves with you culturally so he wraps them up oil and wine wraps them up puts him on his own donkey so this man already traveling from afar puts him in his own means of transportation so he's walking he's giving up getting there faster just to transport this guy and then he transports him to an inn and pays the innkeeper and says I'll be back to pay you even more you know as long as this man is being taken care of so that means I'm going from Samaria then I'm dropping this guy off at an inn that I don't know then I'm going to wherever I was I was going then I may have to go back to Samaria to pick up more money and then I'm coming back here that is a lot of work that's a lot of work all to do it for a person that doesn't really even know me so in response to this expert in the law we're talking about your neighbor is whoever God places in front of you in need and this man had the means to do what it was I'm not saying you know, sacrifice what you have for others, unless the Lord, you know, is leading you to do that. I'm not saying that or put yourself on a line or, or, or lose things or, or go broke trying to, you know, fix problems that God is meant to handle. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, take a double look at who you're passing by. Why am I passing on the other side? Is because my stature won't allow me to associate myself with this per like of this person? Am I worried about what other people are going to think of me? What is my thought process whenever I pass to the other side of the street, whether mentally or physically? You know, I have had several times where I walk and someone has passed to the other street and that doesn't feel good. I really want you to take a double look at who are the stripped, beaten left half dead weak bodies in our society who are they who are the powerless who are the oppressed who are the impoverished who right now is left half dead by our society's injustice who and nine times out of ten if i'm i live in america i don't know where everybody else lives that listens to our um my podcast or our podcast rather I, I do see some various locations in other countries so I'm not too too sure but I know that my people suffer as part of a BIPOC community I know that my people suffer I know my black Americans suffer I know my Asian Americans suffer I know my Latina Americans suffer I know a lot of our minority, I know our Native Americans suffer, and I learned that last week, how badly they suffer. 
being a neighbor is taking a broader look at the body of Christ and seeing who's bleeding. God will give you the means and the resources necessary in order to attend to the wounds of those that are weak and dead in front of you or half dead in front of you that you pass by that you would normally pass by. And nine times out of 10, this parable is showing that person is probably not of your culture. You know, I'm a black woman and um, Dr. Mark Charles came to this conference and he's a Native American. Um, And he was basically, you know, lecturing about uh, colonization and the wars that were going on and the massive genocide um, in order for the building of the railroads in America and just just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And as a black American, I always thought about my black community. Like I see us and how we, you know, are brutalized and oppressed and held down systematically um, within the means of America's society. But I failed to recognize other communities that were not like my own, even being a person of color. And it allowed me to look around and see why my people were suffering in the 1400s and the 1500s and the 1600s. And now I see that Native Americans were suffering right along with us and their communities and still to this day are as well along with us. But I never paid that any attention. I always looked at it from my own eyes, from my own black American eyes. I wasn't looking through it through God's lens as far as looking at the entire body of Christ. I want to point out a scripture and it's in Genesis 127 and says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So we're all made in the image of God. We're all made in God's image, all of us. No matter what our skin color is, no matter what language we speak, we're all made in God's image. Going further in Genesis 12, 12, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we are given, we are all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. Verse 15 says, Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for the reason to stop being a part of the body. And if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not be for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in the fact God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
On the contrary, those parts of the bodies that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We're on the brink of a war. I don't know what time everybody is listening to this podcast, but right now, Ukraine, Russia, even my own country, we're all getting involved in a war in the middle of a pandemic. We don't have time to waste about battles of skin complexions and discrimination and prejudice as believers, as being part of the body of Christ. I can't say to any other group, community, ethnicity, nationality, I'm worth more than you. And I can't say for my community, oh, well, we're not of this part of the community or we haven't done as much or maybe we have done more, whatever the case may be. So I guess I don't really belong. I can't say this group of people don't know who God is, so therefore they're not a part of, like, they're, they're like, disqualified from getting to know him. That's not how, that's not how Jesus works. In Revelations 7 and 9, it says, After this I looked, and therefore me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the lamb they were wearing white robes were holding palm branches in their hand and they cried out in a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb no one is disqualified for becoming a part of the body of christ whoever gives their life and decides to accept Jesus in their heart and their mind their soul and follows those commands they have the opportunity to be a part of the body of Christ they are a part of the body of Christ it does not matter where they come from and I cannot believe I have to renounce this or I'm sorry you know um I can't believe that I have to repeat this and show the weight that this carries that there shouldn't be division within our own body. Loving your neighbor is so important because it's a representation of what we're a part of, especially those that are different, especially those that are different. I can't look at another minority community and say that this minority community doesn't suffer as bad as I should, as, as my community does, so they don't deserve as much help. That is not biblical. 
and Jesus says he specifically covers those that are not getting or where, where people think that that part is less important he says those will be treated much more special the parts of the body that are treated so or oppressed or or are not looked at as important those are the ones he's going to cover no group of people can say to another group of people you're not needed that's not that's not of god christian nationalism and biblical scriptures and you know christian tactics has been used over centuries to oppress people even in jesus's days but no more nobody on this earth is in love by god and unity is not the same as sameness that's what first corinthians 12 12 is saying we can't all be eyes we can't all be ears we can't all be hands we can't all be one the the diversity of us is what makes our uh, you know the body of christ a force to be reckoned with we're so different we don't need to be all on one language we don't need to all look the same there is no standard set of what we should look like and how we should act and what our customs and culture should be because we move here or we move there god made us independently different on purpose it said that and he's also saying if one person in this world or one community in this world suffers we're all suffering if anybody is hurting god's heart hurts too there's not one emotion that god doesn't feel and we should be like that one thing i want to point out from the expert in the law's question let's go back to the scripture in luke 10 and it and it's when he says in verse 29 but he wanted to justify himself and said to jesus and who is my neighbor i really want you guys to get in your head like are you justifying your immoral behavior do you centralize yourself when I took a study abroad trip to Africa, uh, West Africa, Gambia, and Senegal, also known as Senegambia, but they're two different countries now. Shout out to Gambia. They got their independence and stuff. Um, but as I was there and I was seeing, you know, where my roots lie and where the enslavement of my people began in the islands that they were held on and, and while I was walking into the feet of my ancestors I began to break down because I was like they don't teach any of this in my schools where the majority of the students in my class are black and the value of a black person in America doesn't start until slavery until the owning by a white man that's when African-American history, according to America, 
begins. It doesn't begin in Africa. And instead of making people conform to your culture, get to know theirs. That's what we should do as believers. If you want to talk to someone or have conversations about God with someone, first understand what they need, how they think, and what was their culture. Where do they come from? Do they need anything from you? Does their community need anything from you? During the conference, they sent us out to D.C. on Pennsylvania Avenue, and, you know, um, I was meeting with some... Well, not meeting, but we just met homeless people just around and about at stations or or whatever. And I wasn't inclined to, oh, do you know about Jesus? You know, this and a third, because when you're talking to someone that has been stripped of their clothing, beaten, and then left half dead, that's not where they are. Sometimes God sends a Samaritan to help, not a priest. And I'm not saying hold your tongue. You know, do as the Spirit guides and leads you to do. But I am saying meet people where they are. Come down off your donkey and put them on there and take them to the end. Meet them where they are, get off your high horse, and put oil and wine on their wounds and bandage them up. Don't just throw denarii at them. Don't just throw money at them and call yourself a believer. Loving your neighbor is a lot more than just forgiveness and moving on and just smiling at people. It's recognizing who God is putting right in front of you, especially when they're different. Taking the power that you have and giving it to that person and empowering them, healing them, and then making differences. That is loving your neighbor. So ask yourself, am I the priest who just passes on the other side, not even giving it any mind? Am I the Levite? I think I'm chosen by God. I see it, but I move on. Well, I am chosen by God. If you're a Levite, you know, biblically, you are. Or are you a Samaritan? I see it. I meet them where they are. I I bandage the wounds. I take them to the end. I pay the innkeeper and I am coming back to check on it to make sure that this person is still doing okay. And it's funny because in the story, the person who is really the one that is under is the Samaritan during this time, but he's helping someone that is quote unquote superior to him in the eyes of the Jews at that time. Sometimes we feel like we don't have to help people because they're of a higher rank or status or socioeconomic or or quote unquote privileged. Oh, I don't have to help them because they're they're in, in normal circumstances. They have more privilege than I do. 
Dear Lord, you are an all-powerful and loving God, and you are my heavenly Father. Thank you for your deliverance and shield over me and my community. Jesus, please hear my cry, hear my community, and all that suffer today to the weak, half-dead people. Your people suffer. They are oppressed and met with violence, enslavement, and low resources. I suffer, Lord. I am one of the weaker bodies in my society. It pains me to see others like me, and it hurts to see the ones you commanded me to love suffer. But you are the rock. I know that with you, all things are possible, that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and my value in you and in your eyes is greater than any man can give me. I am the head and not the tail, and I am a conqueror in Christ Jesus. You provided strength for the weak. You said you will fight for me. So I will hold my peace and do as you say and command. Not my will, but your will, Jesus. Raise me, empower me to do the good. I choose to let my light shine so that they may see my good works and glorify my Father in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do in your endless shepherding and covering of my people. I praise you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I encourage you all to write your own prayer for the suffering of people on this earth today. We are in the midst of wars. We are in the midst of pandemics. We are in the midst of depressions. We are in the midst of mental health crises. We are suffering and the body of the uh, the body of Christ has to raise up no matter where you're from no matter what your culture is no matter your language your tongue raise up and lift the name of your people up to Jesus in all those that are suffering right now and then you reaffirm what the word says based off the scriptures that we even share today i pray that we become samaritans that we give up our power and empower those that are suffering. That's my prayer. You guys can follow me at wellbeliever.com or on Instagram at Naila Mar N-A-I-L-A-H-I-M-A-R-A. All podcasts normally go up on Tuesdays. I'm sorry, you guys. I had to go to this conference. It was life-changing. I did not have time to record for you all, but I will be so I will 100% guarantee you guys that this will not happen again without warning. (laughs) For all updates on podcasts and what's coming up and what's new, be sure to check out our website. All right. Continue to bear fruit. I love you guys. And Jesus does too. Bye.